0: All right. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter twenty-eight. You know, the last time I was here and was able to preach, uh, I asked the question: What type of people should we be as we see the day of the Lord approach? Now, Jesus here is talking to His disciples, the last thing He gets to tell them. And it's the last words that He really spoke to us uh, before He went to the cross. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come this morning to break the bread of life. Lord, as we're to determine what it is that You wish for us to do as we live out this life, Lord, at the end of the ages, here we are. And Lord, with all the confusion, with all the the dissent, and with all the anguish of this world, we know (laughs) that You're the amazing God who has control of it all, and there's nothing outside of Your power. There's nothing outside of Your grace. There's nothing outside of Your mercy. And Lord, for that, we're so thankful because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, Jesus makes an interesting closing statement here in Matthews. The words are often called His Great Commission to his church. Now he was talking to his disciples, but this goes for us too. It's very important that we learn to make disciples. Well, the word used here means to teach. And, and the Greek literally means to make disciples, to learn a discipline From the Master. All you Jedi Knights out there. To learn everything we can from the words of Christ. Not so that we just have a whole bunch of knowledge. But so that we can reflect Jesus to everyone we come in contact with. And not just reflect, but tell them how to have what we have. Peace in the middle of the storm when there's chaos. You know, when we give our life to Christ, we have to understand that there's something that goes beyond the cross. You know, just having salvation is great. That's awesome. But it's not all there is. He didn't tell them to stay at the foot of the cross. He said, go and make disciples. And, and you know, if you're a new convert, we need to get beyond salvation. We need to get beyond the cross. We need and must become disciples. Now here I've noticed you've got a Sunday morning Sunday school. That's part of it. You have an evening program, discipleship. That's great. You know, in in a church, if we have new converts in our churches, we need to take the time to take them beyond the cross. We can't expect them to grow on their own. We have to teach them the discipline that true followers of Jesus Christ have. And we have to reflect Jesus. And beyond the cross is where true discipleship begins. And beyond the cross is where we find purpose and joy in Christ. joining Christ is more than just salvation that's wonderful but you know how long that lasts it doesn't last long it begins to fade rather quickly unless someone grabs a hold of the new convert and starts to lead them and teach them we have to go beyond the cross to find the true joy in Christ. To be to me, true joy is when I have a purpose. Now, one of the things, and I've told this before, I do not like going grocery shopping. Me and Kathy, she gets the buggy, and I'm fetched. I'm Ralph. Go get this. Go get that. And and, and she's got all the all the the program in her head and she knows what she's gonna get. And I'm just there. But you know what? When, when she gives me the list and I go by myself, I have a purpose. I don't mind being there so much because I've got the list. I can go and get all those things. And I make sure only what's on the list because I, I can get in trouble too, especially over in the candy department. Ice cream. Ice cream don't get me in trouble though. I can buy ice cream and I'll be safe when I go by myself with the mission. I have a mission. We as Christians have a mission. Just because you're saved doesn't mean everything is done. I've had so many people that I have baptized and watched them walk out the door and they think they have bought fire insurance. And they never change. They never come back they got their ticket we need to find meaning and purpose in our daily christian walk with christ becoming a reflection of christ becoming a true disciple we need a purpose to be purposeful and intentional you know intentional that's that's a pretty good word isn't it You know, it's not just to fill a pew on Sunday. That's not service or purpose. You, You might be thinking, I chose Christ. No, no you didn't. Like he said this morning, God chose you. Christ chose you. He died for you. He has a purpose for you. Now, many of us spend a whole lifetime trying to find out what that purpose is. We talk about purpose later more, and I'll get into that. The word disciple is used 281 times in the Bible, 27 times in the New Testament, and it basically means a learner or a pupil. When we first see the word disciple in the New Testament, we think of the original twelve who who followed Christ, and and they become pupils of Jesus Christ. They called Him Rabboni, Rabbi, Teacher. And they began to sit at His feet and learn everything they could from the Master. A disciple is learning everything the teacher knows in order to reflect the Master. That's where we're at today, folks. If you're not reading the Word of God, if you're not studying and and intently into it, you can't possibly get enough out of my sermon or someone else's sermon to reflect Jesus all week. You know, there's three hindrances to making disciples. And the problem with churches today is that many times we never give new believers a chance to learn. You know, I I can think the three hindrances, the first one's impatience. Impatience. We have a tendency to lose patience with people who do not immediately transform into this perfect Christian. Guess what? When you're born again, what are you? A babe in Christ. You don't know anything except that you're saved. You can't reflect the Master because you haven't learned the discipline, the skills, what is necessary. But we, we do. I, I'm an impatient person, believe me, my wife will tell you. Mm. I get impatient rather quickly. I, I, anyway, we, and, 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 but we don't like to see people come to church and say, oh, I'm a Christian, and then go back out and do all those other things. Well, nobody's told them that they can't do all those other things. Do you ever realize that? We have to come alongside and not get impatient, not get frustrated. You know, I believe the failure to continue in some of the cases for these people to come back is that we we haven't gone to reach them. We have, we've been impatient. And we don't change. We don't see the changes, and so we don't try. The next one is distorted goals. Many of the churches, we have our priorities out of order. We want to have worship and preaching, but we have no plan for winning the lost to Jesus. We have no plan of changing new converts into disciples. We have no plan to visit our community. And that seed new people won to Christ. And I want to tell you, that's the reason I left the last church that I was at. They would not absolutely go outside these four walls and talk to anyone about Jesus, they would not invite them to church. It's our four and no more, and that's all I want. And when we get backwards like that, we destroy God's work. Listen, we all talk about it, this discipleship, but in the past, the times we're talking, we need to start walking the walk. Do the things that show we love those that are lost. And make preparations for people to be one to His kingdom. And and we should be making plans and preparing to make disciples. Look, when you get a whole bunch of new people in from somewhere like Teen Challenge or or from off the street, things aren't pretty. It's got to be ugly. Until they're saved. Until you disciple them. And the third reason is we've lost our first love. We've, we have to address that. We've lost our first love. We've lost that initial joy that comes when we were first reborn, a new creature in Christ, a new convert. And this is the joy the Lord that has come in. And we've become a believer and it's awesome. We feel that freshness, that newness, that cleanness. And we soon forget. I heard a, a man in church talking to a new convert. And the convert was really excited about going out and winning people to the Lord and, and, and discipling them and witnessing. And the old veteran believer said, don't worry about that. <laughs> You'll grow out of that. The young man said, I hope not. I hope not. I hope to never lose that wonderful first day of my new life. This morning I'd like to give you seven steps to discipleship. And you'll notice that it's a progress, a process. It's not an overnight procedure, but a long-term commitment salvation then sanctification. first for the first three we look at Luke chapter 8 verse 23 oh, I'm sorry 9:23 I've got a glare on my computer And he said to them all if any man will come after me he must deny himself, And take up his cross daily and follow me. We have to train people to deny themselves. It's important that we have a vital role in God's kingdom. We have a purpose. You see and learn from internal works of the clock. Even the smallest part of a clock is important. Take a computer for instance. Some of the parts in a computer are so tiny that they fit on the head of a pen. But if you take that out of the computer, it don't work. The voltage doesn't progress. Folks, if we leave one person out, if we do not connect with them, they don't get the voltage. They don't learn what you know. To be a disciple, you have to deny ourselves for the greater cause and a greater reason. Understanding that denying yourself doesn't mean demoting yourself, but just like the smallest piece in that computer, we have to pass the energy along. And he's not saying that we'll be less than, but he's actually saying that when we put others first, we will become greater than the first. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gains the whole world and loses himself or be cast away? One paraphrase reads, if any one of you want to be My followers, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross each day and follow Me. If you want to save your life, you will destroy it. But if you give to up your life for me, you will save it. What will you gain if you own the whole world and destroy or waste your life? Number two, take up your cross. Take up your cross. Every day. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is more than a cross around the neck. It's more than a piece of jewelry. You know, at one time, that was a a show of of your faith, of what you believe. But here lately, it's become a status symbol. (laughs) And if not a status symbol, something to ward off evil spirits. Take up your cross literally means you will bear the burden of following Christ. He's saying don't run from suffering, but embrace it for the sake of Christ. Folks, one day we might end up suffering. Coach, how do we make a great football team? How do we make great football players? First of all, they have to join the team, don't they, coach? And the second is they have to learn all the disciplines, all the rules. They have all the plays. You've got to know them all. Then you break the bodies down. You get rid of the old stuff and you build them back up by vigorous exercise and weightlifting and training and then learning to hit harder than the other person. Folks, how are we doing on discipline? Do we take it the same way? In making disciples, we will be there will be trials. Yes. There will be pain. Yes, and there will be persecution. And as we get toward the last days, more and more and more persecution. It's not going to lessen or get lighter. So you better put on some thick skin and put on the armor of God and be prepared to fight. You see, anything not worth fighting for is not worth serving. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Follow me, number three. Follow means to take, make Christ our business and everything else an opportunity to advance his kingdom. Many people see Christ as only part of their lives. And for some, Christ is just a spoke. Everybody's seen a wagon wheel, right? And all the spokes lead down to the hub and then the axle. We see church, Christ, work, work, oh, works up here. And everything else coming into that center hub, which is supposed to be you. But that center, <laughs> we need to make Christ the not a spoke in the wheel. <laughs> not just part of family, work, recreation. But He needs to be the axle that that wheel fits on. Everything directed down toward Him. And when we're at work, we need to find a way... To look truly into the heart of people. To see their pain. I trained as a counselor. I didn't have to train a lot. I'd be sitting in a restaurant and have, my wife will tell you, had people come up and just start talking to me. And they spill everything in no matter of a few minutes. I said, I just have the face. Talk to me. I don't mind. And, and God uses that every opportunity. I, I'm so surprised. I, ordinary me. But God has a purpose and a plan and you're in it every day of your life. There's people, and I know it, I keep praying for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. They're lost. And it's not getting easier. They're in Arizona. They're in New York. They're in Atlanta. But it's not easy. All I can do, all I can do, uh uh-uh, the best I can do is pray for them. You start praying for the salvation of your children. You start praying for the salvation of the lost in your neighborhood, your next-door neighbors. Hmm make Christ part of every circumstance of your life next one is discipline if a man comes to me and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters yes and his own life also he cannot be my disciple who hate that's a pretty powerful word ain't it It is in our language, but it's not so much in theirs. It means to love just a little less. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. He's not talking about just totally hating them. (laughs) That's not what he's saying. Just love them a little less than you love me. And number five, love God and others. The fifth step of discipleship is to love God and others. Jesus said in John 13:34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. Then he goes on to say in verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have, love one to another. Can people tell when you're around whether you love them or not? Of course they can. We have many ways of showing them especially in our behavior, Ooh, when we get disinterested or, or, or kind of put out. My face also reads like a road map when you've hit that button. My eyes tend to roll. Not all the way back in my head. But, but that's impatience. That's those things that we all have to work on because there, there are certain things that just set people off. But we have to look beyond those little crevices, those little cracks, those little chinks in the armor and love them. Love is the characteristic that separates disciples from the lost. Love is is the action. It's, it's It means to do something. This is how people will recognize that we are disciples, that we are different, that we love one another, and not just those that love us back, but, oh, here we go, those that are unlovable. Met a few of those? And they hate it when you love them. And they actually mean hate. They love you. Love them. That's the only way that we're going to change this world is to love them. Number six, forsake all. The disciples are pictures as of ones who forsook everything. All for the kingdom purposes. This doesn't mean giving up your career as much as giving your career and your lifestyle up for Christ. Whatever you do, do it as to the Lord. And if you're doing it as to the Lord, somebody's going to get touched. Because He loves. Immensely loves. Christ for others, such as myself, it means giving up all my future plans to do Christ's will. Was, honestly, I was sitting on my back porch in Arizona when God called me to the ministry having a cup of coffee with my wife. And it was a beautiful May morning and the birds were singing and I didn't feel like doing anything or going anywhere until I got a phone call. God has a funny way of calling people into service, calling people to do things. But He had already set it in motion to where I could do what He called me to do. And number seven, final step to discipleship is continue in His Word. In other words, we stay in His Word, read it every day, meditate upon it, and memorize some of His words. Every day. You say, Marty, I I live a hectic life. Get up a little earlier. Go to bed a little later. Whatever it takes. And by all means, get involved in the program the ladies are doing here. What is it? Bible Recap. If you haven't heard it or haven't been a part of it, it starts at the beginning of the Bible and it goes to the end, chronological order, with good questions and thought-provoking ideas. And you will begin to see a whole lot of changes in your life. That's just one of the wonderful studies that you can do if we keep in this Word in our hearts and read it and meditate on it, the Holy Spirit then can work through us and there's no room for anything else. None whatsoever. So, where are you with Christ? How is it going? Made any disciples lately? I had a baseball coach when I was uh, 12, 13 years old. Took me under his wing. I pitched good fastball, good curve. I want you to know he taught me baseball, but he taught me patience with someone who's cocky. Go mad, figure that. He, he taught me, he loved me even when I got silly and s- kind of dumb and stupid. Okay, we do that. And he even rebuked me when I got overly excited. And you say, and you, you loved him? Coach, did you ever have to get rough with the boys? You know it, because they're kids. I run into Ted Orgize in the nursing home. Dementia, Alzheimer's. And when I walked up to him, sat down beside him, started talking, he said, well, hi, Martin. Talked about baseball. I hadn't seen the man except at his wife's funeral and I really didn't get to see him then but He touched my life. He made me a baseball disciple. He taught me everything He knew. That's what we have to do. We have to come along with our children, put our arms around them, lead them in the right direction, and teach them the Word of God so that they will keep it in their hearts because we don't have long. We don't have long. Anyone know the name William Perry? Come on, there's some football fans around here somewhere, right? Played for the Chicago Bears. They called him the refrigerator. Well, he started building a house in South Carolina, Aiken, South Carolina, and it was a big house. And he got it partially built and run out of money. He failed to count the cost. And it took him a long time to finish it. Sometimes when we become Christians, we don't count the cost. And when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, we want to walk out and say, you know what, i played enough. i had done that myself, by the way. I felt like a pawn on a chessboard that just kept getting knocked over and knocked over. I said, okay God, I give up. I'm not playing for either side. You know what that is? <laughs> it's a fall right into Satan's trap. But he never gives up on us. He'll never give up on you, young folks. He'll never give up on you all your whole life. To your—did I say? Here's someone say they were ninety years old today, or ninety? Ninety years old, and he never gives up on. You can be 125. Ask Abram and Sarah. Surprise! God loves us so much, and He has a purpose for us. Don't miss that purpose. I do not want to have to stand in front of God one day, and He's going to say, Marty, what'd you do with what I gave you? Oh, Lord, I put it in the hole, and here it is. He, Bye. Today, right now, is an opportunity. If you need to get right with Jesus, if you need to get right with God, and there's something in your life that you just can't seem to get rid of, confess it to Him. You don't have to tell a pastor. You don't have to tell the person next door. All you have to do is confess it to Him, get His forgiveness, and give forgiveness, because giving forgiveness is as important as being asked to be forgiven. Mercy and grace. Heavenly Father, as we close the services today, Lord, I pray your blessings upon these people. I pray your blessings upon the church here that you've planted. You mean for it to grow. Lord, help us to water it. Help us to become good disciples good followers. Lord, we love You and we thank You for Your forgiveness and Your salvation. Lord, we pray, make us good disciples. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.